Hello, everyone. Welcome to MJ in the Word podcast. I am MJ. And I am the Word, BJ Word to be exact. Thank you all for joining us. And so we are doing an interview style session today. And so just I do want to give a quick warning um, because we are going to talk about some topics that could be a little sensitive. Um, and so there is a potential that you may feel triggered by some of the things we discussed today. We're talking specifically about women's rights and uh, gender inequities. Um, and with that, we are going to talk a little bit about pay disparity, Roe v. Wade, you know, some certain issues around maybe domestic violence, gender, gender related violence and everything. So we just wanted to do that disclaimer in advance. So DJ, yes. I am you to finally be able to interview you and tap into my inner uh, what's her name? Barbara Walters. And uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm in the hot seat. I'm ready. I know you're in the hot seat this time. It's nice to be on the other side. I can be like the, you know, the host of the, the interviewer. So um, one of the first things that I was hoping we could talk about is pay disparity. And this continues to be a perv pervasive issue here in the U.S., especially when it comes to Black women and the pay mm -hmm. disparity we experience compared to uh, white men in particular. So I'm going to read this quote and just, just to add a little context for our listeners, and I'm not going to lie to y'all, this made me so angry <laughs> when I first found out about it, but Black women in particular now lag even further behind white men. On average, Black women will need to work until September 21st to catch up to white men. Last year, Black women's equal payday was more than a month earlier so last year it was on august 3rd mm. equal payday was on august 3rd it was saying we have to work up until then to be at the same pay rate now mm. it's all the way back to september 21st it moved wow. a, whole, a whole entire month like six weeks mm -hmm. to that. Mm -hmm. and so i'm just wondering if you know you have ever personally experienced a disparity within the workforce and and once you found out about it once you found out about a colleague maybe making earning more um when you're in a similar position how, like what were your thoughts what was your reaction oh i have absolutely experienced that and i i so so just to give a little back you know background about me i um didn't wasn't always a counselor. So for those that uh, don't know, I'm a licensed professional counselor. Prior to that, I was a teacher. So I taught pre-K, I taught, um, um, I was a substitute also for elementary school, high school, but I you know, specialized for many years in the state pre-K system. So I was licensed as a teacher. And um, that's more of a female dominated um, industry traditionally. You know, you would see a lot of women teachers. So I, I don't think, and I was younger, I don't think I thought as much about um, pay disparities at the time. And, and when I, um, came over to be a counselor, which is traditionally a male-dominated industry, most of the theories that we go and we practice, those were created by male psychiatrists and psychologists. So typically, um, you know, psychology and all of that, it is a white male-dominated um, industry, historically speaking. So both of those industries have made great strides. I'm not saying there's not a lot of men in education and all of that, but, you know, when you think back to most of your teachers growing up, they were women. And so, um, you know, looking at that dynamic, when I became a counselor and started to see way more men 
mostly white men, okay, in this in this industry, I think that's when I became more aware of it and, and realizing that this is a thing and it's a problem. So when it happened to me personally, um, it ended up being my white male colleague that revealed that and he didn't even realize that he revealed it, okay? We had the same job title, um, same degree. I actually think that my credential at the time might've even been a little higher than his and he was just talking to me in a rant and and they don't pay us for such and such and I'm like what and so how do you respond to something like that because I did I didn't have the level of trust with him to say well I'm only getting such and such you know there's an embarrassment that you feel there is a uh, a helplessness for me that I felt because it's like what am I supposed to do with this information I need this job you know, and at the time, I didn't know how to advocate for myself. And I was just talking to someone about that earlier today. I had no idea how to, to verbalize that and to go back to HR and say, hey, we need to sit down and have a conversation. And how do you do that without throwing your uh, colleague under the bus who hadn't necessarily done anything wrong? It was, it was crazy. It was a crazy situation. And I mean, it was it was kind of a substantial gap. I want to say it was a good. I mean, we we neither one of us were making a whole lot of money, but it was a good, you know, four dollars an hour more <laughs> than what I was making um, to do the same job. And the whole thing just caught me off guard. And I think I felt so disrespected in that situation, knowing that I was doing the same amount of work and um, had the same credentials and the same degree. And the only difference between the two of us, he's a white man and I'm a black woman. And this is what you do? It was a slap in the face. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it really is. And, and I can tell you, I have heard countless stories. I've experienced it myself too, like where I knew I was being paid significantly mm -hmm. than counterparts. I've heard countless women tell me like, I didn't even know Mm -hmm. I looked up online because you know when you work for pu public entities you can look up people's salary mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, really it's just like right. you know the pandemic did not help so it's 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 right. widened the pay gap for mm -hmm. um, you know especially for people of color and um it's just it's crazy and so I guess mm -hmm. here's my question my follow-up question for you Whose responsibility is it then? Like, because now you see more and more states. Like, I think California recently started doing this. I want to say New York, but I'm not 100% sure. Now they have it. You have to post a range. You cannot like post a job without putting that job, or I'm sorry, the pay range on there. So, yeah. like, is it on us to negotiate or is it on the HR to make sure that those disparities don't exist? Is it like, who, whose fault is this? I am so glad you asked that question because the second piece of my story, some of y'all maybe clutch the pearls today because I'm going there and we, we have to be held accountable. Everybody has to be held accountable. And we are talking today about women's rights and about you know us being oppressed and about being held down. Uh, but it's also an element of that where we have to be held accountable for holding each other down too. We, if, if I can profit off of your oppression and I put profit over people, then I'm not gonna do anything for you to stop being oppressed, period. That's the way that that goes. And so in my situation, 
my direct supervisor was a woman. The, his and mine, we had to both we directly reported to somebody. She was a woman. The person that she reported to was a woman. The director of HR was a black woman. Okay. Um, the we we had another person who was on the admin team that was part of the people that interviewed me was a woman. So why, <laughs> with them knowing, they knew the salary ranges, they knew what I was bringing to the table. Why would these group of women, three white women and one black, that was making a decision about hiring me, not offer me at least the same amount? as they offered my white male counterpart. And one of the things that, that took me by surprise is that it's at one point, you know how people get out, they go out and you know, the people get to get to loose lipping and they start talking and slip, stuff slips out. And somebody said, well, I didn't know if you were gonna take this job, one of the women. I said, why? Well, I didn't know if he offered you enough money and I just didn't know if it, it, it fit in with you know all your experience. And I did, I think I was just so naive. I didn't even put two and two together. I didn't even pay attention to it at the time. Her words came back and just scratched me in the face when I realized that he was making, you know, more than, than I was. So I think there's an accountability um, for other women as well who are in positions to be able to do something about this, then you have a responsibility to do something about it. And also, I had to accept responsibility for the fact that I did not advocate for myself. I didn't even know how to do it. I'm still struggling with my own, you know, being who I am. You don't want to be the loud black woman in the room. You don't want to lose your job because I need the job. You know, I wasn't even paying that much. I need the money. All right. Um, but still, an extra what, whatever it was, $4, $5, an extra $5 an hour would have made a difference to me at that time. And so just even as a starting point to offer that to me, I didn't even, I, don't, I, I should have advocated for myself at that time. And that is something that I think, you know, we as women, we have to start doing it. And, and, and Black women especially have got to get out of that fear of, I don't want to be the loud Black woman in the room. I don't want to seem like I'm causing trouble. Well, honey, you're going to seem like that. That's just the bottom line. When you walk in there with your natural hair, they have already made a decision about you, okay? They they have, uh, some of them have, have sought you out because they know the trend of black if you want something done you need to hire a black woman to get it done some of them know that they know what you bring to the table the 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 question is do you know your own value and do you know your own worth so i think it's everybody's responsibility it is everybody's responsibility for real yeah and you know what i agree with you and i think the most disheartening part of the this information you just shared, I mean, all of it is disheartening. The fact that you were making that much less than your colleague, but the fact that there were so many women in positions of power that could have, you know, helped fix that. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, and, and, and that's something, I mean, this is a bigger episode for another day, <laughs> you know, but just talking about advocacy among women, like, are we our own worst enemy sometimes when it comes mm. Could, could we help each other in terms mm -hmm. of leveling the playing field and, and helping narrow the pay gap if we were advocating for each other more, especially those in right. positions of leadership? Right. But whenever you have a society where it's a profit over people mentality, you know, if, if, if this sister is looking at um, the budget, 
and I can save this amount in the budget and then maybe, you know, my raise won't be affected later. If, if you're looking at it like that, if, you, if, you're, if you're thinking from a poverty, you know, standpoint of, um, well, if, if I give this to her, then what's going to happen to me later? That is, that is desperate thinking. That is broke ass thinking. Okay. That's what that is. And if you, if you come from that standpoint, you're not going to make the sacrifice of advocating for somebody else. Cause it, it, you don't know if it's going to affect your budget later or not. I mean, this was a huge uh, company. I mean, huge. They weren't struggling for any money. They're not struggling for it now. But the question is what, what does somebody else stand to gain by not helping you? If, if they stand to gain something by not helping you, then uh, a lot of times people are not going to help you. If it calls for them to hurt it all or to sacrifice it all, they may not do it. And that's that's sad. Yeah. And that's a good point. We we have to get beyond that. I mean, I know. And especially as living in a capitalist society, that the reality is we will probably always deal with some kind of pay and equity yep. issues. <laughs> and yep. it, how, how we handle that is going to be an uphill battle. But I mean, I don't know. I just feel like we live in a time where it feels like there is so much that has been revealed about things we need to change. And it could be because uh -huh. it really heightened certain things. It's like, oh, uh -huh. and so that kind of leads into my next segue of Roe v. Wade, right? And uh -huh. so and another huge topic. <laughs> um, and I think everyone is pretty familiar with it, but I don't want to be, be presumptuous. So just for uh, people who are not familiar, the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, and that is going to have an impact on a lot of people. And so uh -huh. whether pro-life or pro-choice, I mean, there's no denying, like we cannot deny that this is going to affect a lot of girls and women. And uh -huh. so I'm curious too, like when you think about the the pay equity piece and then now the Roe v. Wade piece, like what uh -huh. are your thoughts around that? And like, what do you think that impact is going to be like for uh, women in our society? <laughs> it, it's, it's another, in my opinion, another slap in the face. Because both of those entities or, or situations are, um, the message behind it is, um, I'm choosing for you. That's what the message is. And that's been the message for women for many, for far too long. I don't trust you to make the right decisions. I'm gonna choose the decision for you. I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm gonna choose what's best for, for, for me, the politician in, in this situation, okay? The company, I'm, we're gonna choose what's best for us. We're not choosing you. And that's the same thing with, you know, with this Roe v. Wade situation, I think it's going to negatively impact a lot of women. I do not think that we will see abortion rates decrease at all. I do think that we will see um, infant mortality rates and um, increase as women start to try to do these things at home like they used to way back in the day. I mean, we've already been here before, have we not? What are we gonna do, just repeat history? I think that we're going to see some of the, and, and more botched abortions, more stuff done at home where um, um, pregnant women end up hurting themselves, especially when you know they're very young girls or whatever. I, I don't think it's going to have any type of positive impact uh, in the long run, nor do I even think that was a reason for the decision. Mm, mm, yeah <laughs> and I can tell you know just being straight up uh 
as a Catholic, I know, um, I'm going to be straight up. I don't think we are fully separation of government no. and religion. What is it? The separation of church, church and state? No, we're not. Thank you. Church and state. And no. I think, you know, just knowing those uh, Supreme Justices, <laughs> a lot of their personal views played a huge role in overturning their, their personal religious views. And, you know, it's just, it's interesting because at times I, I admittedly, I'm like, what are we doing here? Like, I don't know what's happening. (laughs) And I just feel all these different emotions and conflicted about so many decisions because we have to think about the long-term impact that this is going to have on a lot of people Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. not advocating one way or the other. Like I said, I I totally respect people who are pro-life and people who are pro-choice. But I think we have to be unified. Now is not the time Mm -hmm. to be like, "Ah," you know, it's such a issue. Yeah. So now Absolutely. it's going to be like, okay, here we are. Now we recognize that a lot of women and girls aren't going to have the resources they need to take care right. of each other. Right. What are we going to do? What are we going to mm-hmm. do? And I think that's mm-hmm. where my problem comes in with a lot of decisions that are made. Cause it's like, we make these decisions, but we don't want to deal with the, the aftermath of it. It's like, Absolutely. how are we supporting Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have been very candid and open about your experience. Like you mm-hmm. have a YouTube, your own YouTube channel. You have talked mm-hmm. about, you know, you having to make that tough personal decision mm-hmm. to have abortion at some point in life. Mm-hmm. And, and so, I mean, if you don't mind sharing a little bit about your story, like, you know, what was that like for you? And, Woo. you know, I just, <laughs> yeah. And, and why do you think so many people shy away from talking about their experience? Because it is, it, a lot of people have, had to make that decision right and and it's it's weird because whenever I do tell my story and I get a chance to share that story there's always some woman who um ends up saying you know I never told anybody but I the same I did the same thing so just to give some background I was in college I was 19 years old uh so in love with this this boy honey uh who thought he was a man okay and ended up pregnant and um, just had to, at that very young age, had to end up making a, a decision that was um, extremely hard. You know, I don't think that any woman comes about that decision easily. Like it's just flipping or fly by night or just, well, and, and that is one thing that ticks me off about people in the comments section when they talk about abortion. Well, uh, this would this would uh, this would make people stop and think. You know, I'm I'm not gonna just get pregnant because then I can just go run and get an abortion, honey. Who do you know that thinks like that? Because if they do, that that person has some mental illness going on. Nobody is just saying, well, I don't care if I get pregnant or not because I can just run and have an abortion as though it's like running down the street to get a bottle of water. That is not that process at all, and it's it's something that MJ. I don't I don't know that anything could have prepared me for what I would go through mentally and emotionally after it happened. It was years before I could talk to anybody about it. Uh, The church don't want to hear that. They just do not want to hear. They are not open. They are not welcoming. And that is still the case to this day. A lot of the church overall, they're not open. They don't want to hear. They don't want to hear that. That's what what happened to you. Even after I shared my story on YouTube, wasn't that in 2021? Oh, Yes, that was in 20 and 21 where I'm full grown. I had some church folks that told me that I needed to be quiet. I didn't need to share that because I was just sharing too much information. That's my story. (laughs) 
And I still have, and this was over 20 years ago. Then I had some people that had a problem with the way that I shared the story and said, I just didn't have enough remorse for them. I wasn't repentive enough. It was 20 years ago. How am I supposed to be reacting to it now? So I think, you know, that is one reason why more women hold that in and they don't talk about it is because where are they supposed to go to talk about it other than to a therapist's office? Where are they supposed to go where they feel like they can be received, you know, for their story and not looked at as a monster or a beast? Because that's the way um, that I felt for many years after that, especially when you have the, the church that comes out and they stand out there with signs and murderer, murderer. And it's like, wow, you know, that's not how you see yourself after an experience like that. A woman is already going through enough or at the time I didn't know I thought I was a woman, but I was a girl, you know, at 19 or 20, whatever. And so how we handle people, whether you, whatever side of the coin you're on, because I get it. I understand the moral dilemma behind that. Whatever side of the coin you're on, kindness is always the answer. You know, treating other people how you want to be treated is always the answer. So you don't want somebody standing up there yelling and screaming and making you feel like the most horrible person in the world for a tough decision that you made. And some women make that decision. They don't have a choice. It's they feel like, you know, this is the doctor has put this to them. Both of y'all going to die. You and the baby. So it can be you or the baby, which is it going to be. And so you never know. Everybody's story is different. And I wish that there was not uh, this. The way that they have done this has made it like everybody's story is the same. So we're gonna we're gonna wipe this away. We're gonna we're going to put this blanket out here that is uh, unlawful or whatever. We're leaving it up to the states, and that's that's such a blanket thing to do for something that is so that varies. It just it varies from person to person, and and uh, I know we got to move on, but I want to just make this clear. I I have a problem with the acting like there's no gray area between pro life and choice okay because it is a gray area and you can be in the gray area i am absolutely both of those things okay i am all for life and for the birth of babies i am also for a woman's right to choose that so i think people automatically believe that if you're pro-choice that you're pro-abortion Okay. And though that doesn't automatically equate. One thing does not automatically equate to a thing because you can be pro a woman's right to choose and also hope that she does not make the choice of abortion or also think that that's, that's the wrong choice to make. It's not about whether you're pro-abortion or not. It's about whether you believe somebody should make their own decision for what they do. That's what that's about. After having had one, I don't, I wouldn't recommend that for anybody because of what I went through mentally and how long it took me to forgive myself and to get over it and to let it go. You know, it just took so long and it took so much out of me. So I wouldn't recommend it, but I would never sit up there and try to take away somebody else's chance to make the, the same decision. That's on, that's their choice. That's their right. So that's why I stand on that. <laughs> you know what? I'm so glad you said that about the gray area because and, and that's the thing in our nation. If you notice, most people are kind of in the middle on a lot of stuff. And you, you have mostly moderates, but it doesn't seem that way because the loudest people are the ones on the other ends, right? The, the exactly. Very extreme this way, very extreme that way. Mm -hmm. um, 
And for people who do feel conflicted about it, who aren't sure what they're saying, honestly, I think that's okay. It's okay to sit there and examine your conscience mm-hmm. and examine where you sit on things. And it's okay mm-hmm. to say, you know what? I support this or I support this over here and do it in a way that's still kind. Like you said, you mm-hmm. touched on that kindness. You you can have a stance without vilifying and, and um, treating someone like the worst person in the world because they had to make a tough decision. You have no idea mm-hmm. what that person may be going through, what they had to experience. We just don't know. And so I, wow. I really appreciate you for saying that and um, yeah. really sharing your experience in general. Yeah. And, I, and I also, you know, want to point out that even, even after everything I went through and looking back on it, I, I still would not have wanted that option to be taken away from me. Even after all of the, the emotional turmoil, and I, I still would want the option. And, you know, people often ask me, if you had to do it all over again, would you do the same thing? Well, if I was in the same mindset as I was at the, as a 19-year-old, absolutely. If I was faced with that decision right now today, I would never be pregnant by a person like that. So it's, it's impossible to say, you know, I, I, I just wouldn't do, you know, because it was a tough decision to make, but I can also see how awful my life would have been had I gotten pregnant by that you know had I brought a child into this world sharing a child with that particular person okay so everybody's story is different everybody's story is different yes and thank you for being open because I'm sure like yes you have some people in your church or people who may have watched the video and gave you that negative response of oh you're oversharing you're telling too much and I I always feel like somebody's testimony is their testimony we should not try to muffle people because you they could be helping change somebody else's life so that's Mm -hmm. what I want to ask as a follow-up to that one is did you have any people reach out to you and say thank you for being so candid because so many really so many way more and I have to I have to point that out because a lot of times we get so focused on the negative and I didn't receive that many negative um you know that much negative feedback but we often focus on it more and so it, it has a bigger impact but I had way more women to uh even even put comments under the video like this was my experience too. I'm so glad you wrote this. Thank you. I had some people who would never make a comment that I ended up by third party hearing that my story finally helped them to let it go and they had experienced this you know 20 something years ago 20 25 years ago and was holding on to that and beating themselves up and after watching the video this is somebody that I may not ever meet after watching the video they were able to start the healing process you know and so I always uh, just say like you said my testimony is my testimony but it is your way out it's somebody else's way out it's somebody else's light so it's not for me to keep you know it's it's for me to share so I I absolutely have no regrets but but the response to the video and how many women said that they were so thankful and grateful that it, it was overwhelming and it definitely wipes out anything you know negative and even the people who have something negative to say I mean they got the right to say what they want I just don't agree <laughs> there you go yep I hear you and you know what I feel like no matter where you stand in terms of whether you're pro-choice or pro-life, I still think it's important to hear people's stories and their experiences. And that's why I really, I was like, I commend you because that's not an easy thing to do. And so 
Thank you for sharing your story. So that way we can all have a better understanding of, of what you had to deal with as a person. Because at the end of the day, you are still a person, still deserving of love and all the things. So anybody yeah. who comes with that hate, hated, hatred mentality of, oh, you know, picket sign. Right. We're not rolling like that. Right. <laughs> we call ourselves Christian. And then, you know, I just, I just think, and this goes back to an earlier episode, right? Where we talked about when we come off judgmental, you know, mm-hmm. it's like we're not acknowledging a person's lived experience. We don't know what that person Absolutely. had. We don't know their story. So be very careful how you you come at people. Yeah. And it took me, I was 19. I was 41 when I shared this, put the story on YouTube. So it took that long <laughs> for me to publicly come out with that, you know, and I, I felt like it was a God thing. The timing of it was a God thing. As soon as I released that video, the, um, the news hit the streets about Roe v. It was within a couple of days, like something huge happened with Roe v. Wade. And I knew the timing of it was just, was just perfect. So, you know, I try to remember that with anything that I go through, like, Hey, this is somebody else's light. They need this in order to get out of the hole you just crawled out of. Yes, yes. And and thank like again, I commend you. Thank you for sharing your story on that. And so yeah. I guess one of the last areas in terms of gender equity and women's rights um is just thinking about gender-based violence and you know mm-hmm. assault and like you know, Me Too movement was it was no joke. It came in and exposed some stuff to the point where it was like whoosh. We didn't even know half of that stuff was happening in Hollywood mm-hmm. and in the music industry and some other industries and just in corporate America in general. Yeah. So, so many women came out like, oh, this happened to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, just thinking about all the other issues that we are still dealing with, like human trafficking, you got domestic violence and just crimes mm-hmm. against women in general. You know, here in Memphis, we experienced uh, the death of a really beloved teacher. Uh, mm-hmm. She was jogging. Um, and she was abducted and then, you know, they took her life. And I'm just thinking like, what can we do to get rid of some of this? Like, like, what are we doing to protect women more? And you've been very open in the past about some of your experiences, particularly in relationships. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as a therapist, you can speak to this much better than I can, but verbal and mental abuse is just just as bad as physical abuse you know in a lot of situations sometimes it can be worse depending on what's being said you know if you have somebody like oh you should kill yourself whatever it could be Uh uh and so I know you've been in a situation where you had to deal with some verbal and mental abuse Uh Uh what did you do to finally convince yourself to get out of that situation and what would you advise other women um, on how to get out of those situations one one thing and and I want to say this to you know and you all can google but so that you can understand what you're experiencing yourself but verbal and emotional abuse we often use those words interchangeably and they are slightly different so verbal abuse is more about the language you know that a person is using emotional abuse it can be verbal too, you know, they can put that in there, but it's it's got way more into it, like manipulation and, you know, all these tactics trying to make you think you're going crazy, you know, all of these different things can, can <clears throat> encompass emotional abuse. So 
but a lot of times they do go hand in hand. But I just said that to say somebody can be using um, sweet language with you and still be emotionally abusing you. So don't think that because they're not using cuss words that they're not being emotionally abusive because they very well could be. And I've experienced both. And I think one of the things that helped me to get out of those, because um, it was more than one, <laughs> it was more than one situation. One situation I dated a, a narcissist and I did not know at the time how horrible he was had I known everything that was going on I think it would have been easier for me to cut it off I just know I was constantly chasing after his approval that I I could never get right and was always made to feel like that was my fault okay I I was the problem and so it was those mind games uh type of thing with that and I and I think God came in and just cut that one off but the situation where uh, the man was more verbally abusive um it, it was verbal and emotional I guess looking back on it I think what helped me to get out of that was to first acknowledge what it was and I think that that keeps you in it for so so long when you are in denial um you you know they're a good person but he's a good person they always have something good about them you know, and I tell people all the time, baby, if you dig through a dumpster long enough, you're going to find something usable in there. You you can find a, a, a brand new chair to take home, but it's still a dumpster. It's still a, a place that holds trash, okay? And so I think sometimes we're looking at the the small look good thing in them and holding on to that, and we don't want to, in our minds, cast them off as a bad person right i have people even say this in therapy and they go through all of this and they say all these things and then they summon it with but it, but but he's not a bad person but she's not a bad but i don't want you to think that they're a bad person and we're in a way still protecting them so for me it was just acknowledging this is abusive like and what what the final core was he was so mean mj and it was unprovoked completely unprovoked like we could be having a good time one minute and the next minute he's yelling and screaming at me to the top of his lungs for nothing it could be something as simple as my the alarm went off on my phone we're watching a movie why don't you get your fuck you got that I'm on alarm and it's like I, I didn't even realize like how am I, you know, it could be somebody texting me or a phone call. How am I supposed to be able to control that, you know, or think, oh, the, the phone is on silent. We're at home watching a movie. We're not, we're not out at the movie theater. You know what I'm saying? So it was just stuff like that. And he would say things like, um, you know, you too tall. I need to get a woman that's shorter because your, your height is a problem. Sir, you're six foot three. Y'all, y'all can't see me, but I'm five, six. I guess that's tall for a woman, but you know, hey, stuff like, you know, my breasts were too big. I was going to end up with breast cancer because my breasts were just too big. I eat too much. I'm fat. Um, he didn't like the way I dressed. I didn't pick my clothes out well. My hair was too short. All of the, the, the things, you know, and one day when he, I was at his house and he went off on me, he was going off so bad. I felt like it's like I knew if I did not get out and get away from him, this was the the segue to where I, he was gonna start hitting me. I could I could just tell, and I left out of that apartment and I was running down the stairs as fast as I could, you know. And he's like, "Why are you acting like that? Come back here, you know," and and chasing me. And I got to my car and there were some things of his that he had 
in my car. And so I started just throwing the stuff out far, like across the field, like <laughs> so that I could get him to get away from my car, you know, and I'm just pitching this stuff. And I told God right then, I said, Lord, as I was going down, I said, if you just let me make it down these stairs, I will never deal with this man again. And so for me, that was the defining moment of girl, okay, he'd been emotionally abusing you and verbally abusing you all this time. This is it right here. I, I felt like he was about to push me down the stairs. That's how, that's how uh, harsh that encounter was. And I think the first step was just acknowledging that I am, this is really happening. Yes, I'm really abused. I'm being abused. And let me just say this to you, sis, or, or men that's listening to this, whoever, um, if that's a thought in your head, is this person verbally or or emotionally? Am I being abused? If you're thinking that, then just run there on the side of caution and say yes. Okay, don't wait on any further proof. Don't second guess yourself uh, because that's not something that should ever be a question in your mind is whether or not somebody is abusing you. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I, I'm kind of getting emotional just thinking about it because to go through that and then, it seems like it's, it's harder to leave. Like that, that's the hardest part. It, like after convincing yourself for so long, like, oh, but he's really a good person deep down. Mm -hmm. To me, it takes so much courage to walk away. And I have so mm -hmm. much admiration for you and, and any woman who has had mm -hmm. to deal with uh, domestic violence and just thinking mm -hmm. about, wow, to, especially if you just, you're in a place where you're, you feel beaten down. You may not have the same yeah. confidence. It's even harder to walk away when you feel yeah. like your worth is not there. And so yeah. for you to do that, I just, I'm like in awe of you and so many other women who have had to just make that hard decision of yeah. can't do it anymore. And, and I think, you know, it's, it makes it even harder when you feel like the world has an image of you. It makes, you know, because I've always, people have always seen me as the strong one, the tough one, you know, the one who will say whatever's on her mind, you know, th that one. So I couldn't even really share the story with people, you know, because it's like, ah, girl, I know you ain't taking nothing off now. I know you ain't taking nothing off nobody. If you only knew, I'm sitting up here going through this with this person and they are dragging me, you know, inside. And so sometimes, you know, the woman, it seems like she's the strongest and the toughest and wouldn't take no crap from nobody. You'd be surprised the, the crap that she's putting up with. And it's not as easy um, as it seems or as people would think, well, why don't you just get out of it? When they start to play on your mind and you start to tell yourself that if I just do block, this is going to be better. If I just do this right here, then I can make it better. It's it's not as easy as it seems uh, to walk away because you're chasing after that person that you met on that first date and that person was the uh, imposter. <laughs> They're not real. They don't exist. So you're never going to get that, that back. Yes, I never thought about it like that. You're chasing after the person that you met on that first date. Wow. Mm -hmm. <sighs> so I guess to to just when you think about all that's going on in terms of women's rights gender equity like mm -hmm. everything we discussed about the pay disparity we discussed Roe v Wade and we discussed mm -hmm. this need to, to continue to protect women in, in these various situations like what would you like to see us do as a society where would you like to see us go in terms of how can we do better because it just feels like some days I'm like are we going backwards I hear it all the time we're going backwards I'm like maybe we are because we still have not fixed a lot of these issues where I see some others 
you know, societies, they are doing so much better <laughs> when it comes to gender equity and yes. addressing these problems. I, oh, I promise you, society be making me so tired. I have to take social media breaks because even just thinking about this, like I almost start tearing up when you when you even ask the question because it's, can we just treat other people how we want to be treated? It's just so simple. It is such an easy thing to do. It's the one thing that's the easiest. It's the one thing that we won't do. And I would love to just see us move in a direction where people just treat everybody the same way they want to be treated it's not enough anymore to say treat somebody how you want your mom to be treated or your sister or your daughter that used to be enough to say but it's not anymore you because so many people uh like i said profit off of uh oppression and so i would just love to see everybody treat other folks how they want to be treated and you know to treat women like human beings and that goes for everybody women have to treat other women like human beings, you know, like somebody that has the right to feel safe in their own mind and in their own space, in their own finances, in their own workspace. Like we have the right to safety and security. And so I, it's like, you don't have to give it to me, but stop stopping me from getting it for myself. Like I will make the way on my own. So I'm not asking you to give me anything, but stop blocking us, you know, from getting it. And it, it's just ridiculous that we aren't able to, to do that. But, you know, the sad reality, MJ, is that pain is the most profitable thing in our society. Pain is profitable. You make money off of other people's pain. Mm. Think about that. Even just thinking about health-wise, our society makes way more money off of a sick person than they do a healthy one. Right. They make money off of divorce. A lot of times you make more money off of a divorce and somebody getting child support. The government gets more money off of that than off of two people who just get married and live happily ever after. <laughs> they they not getting a cut from that. So, you know, as long as oppression is a profitable thing, we're going to, to keep seeing it in our society. It's been like that from the beginning of the foundation of this country. That wasn't just about them getting the freedom from the folks across the pond. That's not what that was about because you didn't have to come over here and, and, and annihilate a whole people and then enslave another group of people just for your own freedom. That was about the money that was attached. That was about the, the opportunity to profit. And so as long as we put money over people and as long as you have people with the love for money and it's not that we've talked about being rich and wealthy we want it <laughs> i know i do but as long as that is more important than seeing people prosper really truly prosper and seeing people healthy and seeing people well as long as that that green is at the top of the list we're going to see constantly see these problems um, I think that women are tired of it, sick of it, and is starting to see our own value and our own worth more. And I think uh, individually and collectively, that's what is going to help us to continue to move in a, um, you know, make progress and move in a better direction as, as we start to see our own value and our own worth more. Yes. Oh, goodness. Yes. You said so much. I'm like, I agree. I agree. I agree. This was such a powerful episode. I feel like I've learned even more about you. Like, I feel like I already know a lot about <laughs> you and your, your story and some of your different testimonies, but 
it's just something it, it just really resonated with me, even though I have not personally had to experience some of the things you've had to experience. Um, but just to know it, it speaks so much about your strength as a woman and your courage and your perseverance. And I'm just like, oh man, I got the best business partner because <laughs> it just makes me see you in it even more. Like I admire you even more because I know you have a powerful story and, and your story is your story. And thank you for sharing your story with all of us because absolutely somebody absolutely. needs to hear it. I, I guarantee you somebody needs to hear this. Yeah. I, I, I hope so. I hope somebody definitely gets um something out of it. And I hope for all women that whew, we can all, you know, have that space where we don't have to be strong. Yeah. That's my hope. That's my prayer for all of us to have a, um, a safe space to be soft, a safe space to be weak, whether that's with a guy or in a marriage or, you know, holding, holding hands with another sister, just that, that safety of, I don't have to be on my guard. Mm -hmm. That's what I want for us, especially for black women. Yeah. That's my prayer. Yes, absolutely. I don't apologize for emotions, y'all. <laughs> uh, don't apologize. Let it out. Because I know I've been holding it back the whole time. I'm like, all right, come on. Hang in there, uh, Barbara. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm in my Bar Barbara Walters mode today. But no, thank you. Thank you so much. This is such a powerful episode. And I think it's so timely because yeah. of the things we are going through um, just as women in, in the U.S., so uh, again, you know, for our listeners, just is so many great tips here and just know that like we're all in this as a collective, this collective healing. That's why that's a part of our theme for our show. Um, yeah. Thank you, BJ, for sharing your story. Like, Absolutely. Absolutely. I hope y'all took something from it. And ladies and men, whoever is listening to this, if you are, you do not deserve to be abused. You do not deserve to be um, beaten. You do not, you don't deserve these things. So if you need help, please reach out. There are resources available. Google it, get a therapist, go to a shelter, do whatever it is that you have to do and, and forget that stigma and just reach out and get the help that you need because healing is available uh, for you. Yes, absolutely. And so uh, that That is the end of this episode. And of course, we'll have a new episode next week. And if you have not subscribed, make sure you subscribe to our podcast. You can subscribe on YouTube or your favorite um, platform as far as streaming or what am I trying to say? Podcast platform. Thank you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so until next time, y'all, thank you for joining us today. Stay well. <laughs>